This podcast from Faith Bible Church in Reno, Nevada. Faith Bible Church is a Christ-centered Bible teaching ministry dedicated to bringing the good news of the gospel to the whole world. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And now for this week's message from Pastor Alan Battle. Today's reading is taken from various Proverbs. To do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. When justice is done, it is a joy to the righteous, but terror to evildoers. The violence of the wicked will sweep them away because they refuse to do what is just. Evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand it completely. A righteous man knows the rights of the poor. A wicked man does not understand such knowledge. Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Do not move an ancient landmark or enter the fields of the fatherless, for their Redeemer is strong, and he will plead their cause against you. The fallow ground of the poor would yield much fruit, but it is swept away through injustice. Many seek the face of a ruler, but it is from the Lord that a man gets justice. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come again tomorrow. I will give it when you have it with you. This is the everlasting word of the Lord. In our series on the wisdom literature of the Bible called Ancient Wisdom, Modern Times, we've been taking a topic from the book of Proverbs each week in order to dig out the wisdom that God offers us there. Wisdom, remember, is the acquired learning that helps us know what to do in any given situation. So last week we discussed the issue of peacemaking. We said that those who are saved have made peace with God, and as a result they receive the peace of God. But we must not leave it there. We must take that peace and give it to the world as God's peacemakers. And remember that peace in the Bible, the Hebrew word shalom, is a state of things as they should be. All things as they should be. Nothing out of place, nothing broken, nothing out of order. This world's peace was shattered when sin entered into the world. And the gospel is the remedy for that brokenness. So today's topic addresses one of the ways that shalom 
can be restored to the world. And it's the topic of justice. So our task today is to understand justice from a biblical perspective. Now, let me correct that. It's to begin to understand justice from a biblical perspective because we could study this our whole lives and continue to learn more about how justice works in this world. And um, I want to get our feet wet on this subject because it is so prevalent in the book of Proverbs. You saw, and I didn't even use all the verses that are relevant. Um, And it is also currently a hot-button issue in our world today. We're constantly hearing the term social justice today. And under that heading are such issues as immigration, or racial inequality, economic inequality, women's rights, LBGTQ rights. And often, just using that phrase raises the emotional temperature in the room. Political lines are drawn, and... sides are taken and even many believers have jumped into this fray and are attacking each other i see error on both sides though Um, many of our more compassionate brothers and sisters have let their hearts overrule their minds and bought into some seriously unbiblical thinking on these issues and in some of our more conservative brethren they've reacted by hardening their hearts and withdrawing from the problem to the point of neglect and even disobedience to the scripture. So let's try to begin to unravel this by asking three questions. Why should we be concerned about justice? And what is justice? And how do we bring justice? So why, what, and how? So why has, as Christians, should we even address this issue? I mean, we've all got our own lives to live. We should, we, why should we just get involved in controversy? Why, why don't we just leave this to the government or to professionals to deal with? Well, the short answer is because God calls us to deal with it. God calls us to do justice. Listen to what God said to the Israelites as he was forming them into a chosen nation, into his chosen nation. It says in Deuteronomy 16, 18, You shall appoint judges and officers in all your towns that the Lord your God is giving you, according to your tribes, and they shall judge the people with righteous judgment. You shall not pervert justice. You shall not show partiality and you shall not accept a bribe for a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and subverts the cause of the righteous justice and only justice you shall follow that you may live and inherit the land that your lord the lord your god is giving you so justice is one of the foundations of jewish society it's essential to the order that god has established for them so that they might receive his blessings. And it's just as foundational for the church. In business today, you hear 
a lot of talk about core values. You heard that term, core values. Uh, <clears throat> they're the principles that define an organization's existence and their purpose. Well, for God's people, justice is a core value. It's not simply another thing that we do. It's who we are. It's planted in our hearts, and it's built into the fabric of reality. It's a priority for God's people. Look at Proverbs 21.3. To do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. It's even more important than outward expressions of worship. No amount of religious observance can replace doing justice. Hear what Jesus said to the most religious guys of his time. He says this in Matthew 23, 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Woe to you. Woe is a strong word. It means horror. It means dread. Justice separates the sheep from the goats. Look at 21.15. When justice is done, it is a joy to the righteous, but terror to the evildoers. For those who walk with God, it's a source of joy because it resonates in our souls. Souls that have been set free from sin. But for those who are still in rebellion, it is a nagging source of fear because of that sense of coming judgment. Proverbs 21.7 says, The violence of the wicked will sweep them away because they refuse to do what is just. It defines good and evil. It separates the sheep from the goats. Those who practice injustice may seem to be getting away with it now, but they never can because God, in the end, will make sure that justice is done. And that's a good reason for unrepentant sinners to fear. They should be afraid. And hopefully that fear will draw them to the Savior. So we see that justice is important to God <clears throat> and that he requires it from his people. But what is it? What exactly is it? There's lots of calls for justice out there today. And some of them are legitimate and a lot of them are not. Um, it takes wisdom to know the difference. So Proverbs 28.5 says, Evil men do not understand justice. But those who seek the Lord understand it completely. On a human level, we all know that things, there's some things that are fair and some things that are not. All of us recognize to one degree or another injustices that are being done. But that understanding is distorted by sin. The worst evils have been justified in the name of a twisted cause and called just. The Nazis thought that they were doing great good by killing the insane and the crippled 
and especially the Jews. And today's social justice warriors think that they're promoting a righteous cause when they shout down their political opponents in restaurants. And a new thing that they're doing is they're milkshaking somebody. They they take a milkshake and they dump it on people's heads that they disagree with. And now they're burning down cities and looting businesses. All that is wickedness. They say it's just, but it is the opposite of justice. They don't understand justice. So what are the causes that justice pursues? One of the most prominent focuses in the scripture is on helping the poor. Proverbs 29, 7. A righteous man knows the rights of the poor. A wicked man does not understand such knowledge. The word knows here is the deepest kind of understanding. It's an intimate knowledge. It's the same word used in Genesis when Adam knew his wife, Eve. It's a knowledge that enables one person to speak for another person. Look at 31.8. Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. The poor often have no voice. They're ignored, they're marginalized, they are exploited because they have no power. So one aspect of justice is to be an advocate for the poor, to open our mouths. And it's not that they won't provide for themselves, it is that they are being ripped off. Look at Proverbs 13, 23. The fallow ground of the poor would yield much food, but it is swept away through injustice. It's swept away. It's stolen. You know, there's, there's a false victim mentality prevalent in the world today. Like whiny college kids who feel unsafe if somebody disagrees with them. But don't let that keep you from recognizing that there are true victims in the world. There are many victims throughout the world. As you travel the world, you'll see this um, a lot more in, in other cultures than in ours, but you can find it in ours too. And uh, I, it just made me think of this tragic real-life example in history. Have you ever heard of the Great Potato Famine of the mid-1800s in Ireland? The Irish people there subsisted mostly on a diet of potatoes. And because of a a blight, a sickness in the potato crop over a four-year period, a million Irish men, women, and children died of starvation. So how is that injustice? Isn't that just an act of God or a natural occurrence? No, it wasn't. There was plenty of food being grown in Ireland during that time. But the majority of the land was owned by absentee English landlords. And they exported all that food out of the island for their profit. And they just stood by and watched a million people perish. That's injustice. And it's never been forgotten by the Irish people. 
to this day, they still hate the English. And such callousness still exists around the world. And we have to open our mouths and denounce that kind of thing. So justice means being an advocate for those who cannot advocate for themselves. Look at 23.10. Do not move an ancient landmark or enter the fields of the fatherless, for their Redeemer is strong. He will plead their cause against you. Now moving an ancient landmark is the same as moving a fence. And this is talking about stealing land from a family that has no father to protect them. Widows and orphans are often mentioned as those who are being taken advantage of in the scripture. And God advocates for them as well. God identifies with widows and orphans. And he hates the evil that's done to them. So believers too are to be advocates for them because God is their advocate. We are his representatives. Sometimes God judges whole nations for injustice. The Old Testament is full of examples. In the book of Isaiah, it was written at a time when there was great injustice in Israel. And Isaiah was calling the nation to repentance. And he said in Isaiah 117, Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. But Israel did not repent. They didn't bring justice. And they were sent into exile in Babylon. And a few years later, just before that deportation to Babylon, another prophet was sent to warn them again. Jeremiah 7, verse 5. For if you truly amend your ways and your deeds, if you truly execute justice one with another, if you do not oppress the sojourner, the fatherless, or the widow, or shed innocent blood in this place, then I will let you dwell in this place, in the land I gave you of old to your fathers forever. They didn't repent, and they were exiled. But in this passage, we see two more categories of injustice. One is the sojourner, that is the immigrant. And just a side note, helping immigrants doesn't mean that we should have open borders. The Bible says that we're to help the sojourners who are among us, not let anyone in who wants to come. And it's the role of governments to protect borders. So without controlled borders, there wouldn't even be any nations. There's plenty of legal immigrants in this country that need our help. And there's lots of Christian organizations out there that are actually doing that, helping people assimilate into American society. And the other new category of injustice are the innocent whose blood has been shed. These are the victims of violent crime, spousal abuse, girls and boys who are sex trafficked, abused children, and slaves. Yes, slaves. They're slaves today in America. And in America, the unborn are the number one victim of violent crime. Abortion, 
the number one cause of death. <clears throat> and the saying, God helps those who help themselves, is just false. God helps the helpless. And that is what justice does. It helps those who are unable to help themselves. Isaiah and Jeremiah were preaching to a religious people who were both <clears throat> neglecting and perpetrating just injustice, or perpetrating injustice, yeah. They were performing all the right rituals, like fasting, yet they were missing the boat when it came to helping people in need. So God, through Isaiah, asked them to consider whether that kind of fasting was acceptable. And then he says, Isaiah 58, 6, Is not this the fast that I chose? This is God speaking. To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke. Break every yoke. Every yoke of injustice, the yoke of exploitation, the yoke of poverty, the yoke of alienation, the yoke of violence. But the question still remains, how do we accomplish that? How can you and I bring about justice? I must confess that I often disagree with the words of St. John, the beetle, not the, not the apostle. <laughs> In light of uh, the recent riots around the country, I keep thinking of his song. You say you want a revolution, well, you know, we all want to change the world. But when you talk about destruction, don't you know that you can count me out? Violence is not the way to bring about justice. Here's a quote from someone with a little more credibility than John Lennon. He actually did lead a massively successful movement for justice in this country. Martin Luther King Jr. He said, Violence as a way of achieving racial justice is both impractical and immoral. The civil rights movement of the 60s brought about one of the greatest advances in justice in the history of the world. And it was accomplished by living out biblical principles. King was first a pastor and a preacher. Justice calls out evil for what it is, but it overcomes evil with good. And God is the source of all good. Look at Proverbs twenty nine twenty six. Many seek the face of a ruler, but it is from the Lord that a man gets justice. Listen to Martin Luther King again. He says, we must develop and maintain the capacity to forgive he who is devoid of the power to forgive is devoid of the power to love. There is some good in the worst of us and some evil in the best of us. When we discover this, we are less prone to hate our enemies. And Jesus calls us to love our enemies. 
It wasn't the government, the rulers, that brought about justice in the civil rights movement. The nation didn't change because we got some laws changed. It was changed because people's hearts were changed. And that was accomplished through living out the truth. When Isaiah called out the Jewish people for their injustice, he did not tell them to go riot in the streets. He didn't tell them to overthrow their rulers. He called them as individuals to get involved personally, to get their hands dirty, to give of themselves and their resources. Let's go back to that Isaiah 58 verse and see how he finishes that up. 58.6 Is it not the fast, is this is not this the fast that I choose, to loose the bonds of wickedness, undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? It's done through feeding, housing, and clothing people one person at a time. And notice that he says that they're not to hide themselves from their own flesh. What does that mean? Their own flesh. Well, I think it means that every one of us belongs to one another. All humanity, we are one flesh. God created us in his image, every one of us. And because of that, justice isn't just an option that we can choose. We actually owe justice to every one of our neighbors. Look at Proverbs 3.27. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come again. Tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you. Now the New International Version has an unfortunate translation here. Um, it says, do not withhold good from those who deserve it. That's not a good translation. It seems to leave it up to us to decide who's worthy. But the ESV translates it, as we just saw, to whom it is due. And that literally means to those who own it. It's a human right bestowed on us by our Maker. It is the possession of every human being. And this is the principle behind the Declaration of Independence. All men are created equal. They are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That's easy for me to say. And that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Unalienable means it can't be taken away. God gave it. Now, <clears throat> this may be a little overwhelming to you. Um, after all, who can possibly give what is due to all men and women? And the answer is nobody. You can't. The only thing you can do is the things that God provides you the opportunities and the means to do. And how you do that is between you and God. 
But the how is crucial. When it comes to the poverty and violence in our inner cities, our country has been, has been going about it all wrong for a long time. Back in the 1960s, President Lyndon Johnson launched his war on poverty, and it established a huge welfare system, and it discourages work, and it penalizes marriage because it gives checks to unmarried women, but not to married ones. So there's an incentive to stay unmarried. I heard a Christian economist the other day say that giving people checks when they have the ability to work is toxic to their souls. It diminishes human dignity. And not only that, it keeps the economy from growing. It uses resources instead of building resources. You know, when the war on poverty began, only 7% of American children were born out of wedlock. Today, that number is 41%. (laughs) Did you know that? The collapse of marriage is the main cause of child poverty and violence in this country today. Single mothers struggle to make ends meet, even with government assistance. And fatherless boys are responsible for the majority of violent crimes in this country. Over the past 30 years, the rise in violent crime parallels the rise in families abandoned by their fathers. And high crime neighborhoods are characterized by a high concentration of families without fathers. So what is the solution? One man who has been very effective in alleviating poverty and violence in inner cities is a guy named Bob Woodson. Robert Woodson is a true social warrior. The 2018 William Wilberforce Award, an honor intended to celebrate and acknowledge men and women who have publicly lived out their Christian faith and have had a positive impact on their communities in the world, was given to Robert Woodson. He is a believer who gives his life in the service of justice. He was born into poverty in South Philadelphia in 1937. His father died when he was nine. He dropped out of high school, and he joined the Air Force. And then when he got out of the Air Force, he earned his bachelor's and his master's degrees. And then he went to work with Martin Luther King Jr. in the 60s to fight for civil rights. But he became disillusioned with that movement after King died because of what he termed the leftist takeover of the movement. But he continued his efforts to help the poor, and his success has been significant. Um, He was, at first, he was the director of the Administration of Justice Division of the National Urban League in the 70s. But in in 1981, he founded the National Center for Neighborhood Enterprise, and that's now called the Woodson Center. It was created to assist low-income neighborhoods address their development and advocacy problems through self-help. 
rather than traditional government assistance. His programs have helped more than 2,600 community groups in 39 states. Listen to what he says. He says, around 70 cents of every dollar designated to relieve poverty goes not to poor people, but to people who serve the poor, social workers, counselors, etc. We've created a poverty industry and turned poor people into a commodity. And the race hustlers play a bait-and-switch game where they use the conditions of low-income blacks to justify remedies that only help middle-income blacks. This guy knows what he's talking about. He's been in the middle of it for how many years now? He's, he's in his 80s now. I want to look at a short clip in which he describes his strategy. When you go into a doctor's office, a credible, intelligent physician will first of all attempt to do that which is least intrusive to your body. But what we do traditionally in helping poor people and neighborhoods is we apply the moral equivalent of a transplant. What government does when there's a problem, if there's pregnancy problem, let's parachute in a program. If someone is unemployed, there's a program. Instead of saying, let's look at the remedy that's closest to the problem at the Center for Neighborhood Enterprise, we go into low-income, high-crime, drug-infested neighborhoods, and we ask questions that professional service industry and scholars never ask of poor people. We ask them not how many children are dropping out of school or in jail and on drugs, We want to know how many people are raising children that have not succumbed to the lure of drug addiction, have not become predators. And once we find them, we apply miracle Grow in the form of training and technical assistance. And so we are able to grow remedies that are indigenous to these low-income, high-crime neighborhoods by reaching out to grassroots leaders that are in poverty but not of poverty. They're in drug addicted neighborhoods, but they're not of those neighborhoods. In one city in New Jersey, pizza companies couldn't deliver in low and high crime black neighborhoods because of the crime. Well, a neighborhood group got together and got some 18 and 20 year old kids who set up a pizza delivery business. They said it's warm, it's good, it's from the hood. And they partnered with one of the pizza companies who taught them how to sell pizzas, and they delivered those pizzas inside as their business. And it prospered because no one would stick them up because they were from the community. The reason that AIDS is so devastating is because it destroys their body's ability to heal itself. Well, we look at our grassroots leaders as antibodies. They are indigenous to the body. They are closest to the source of disease. And so therefore, if you strengthen the body's immune system, the body will heal itself. Isn't that good? He's got so many volunteers and he says the majority of his volunteers are (laughs) ex-somethings. You know, they're in those communities and they're working with people personally. 
Um, another Christian who is making a real difference is a three-time convicted bank robber. His name is John Ponder, and he was recently pardoned by President Trump. In 2004, in a small jail cell in Las Vegas, John Ponder found himself at the most difficult point in his life. He was facing a 23-year jail sentence, a federal sentence. And he made a determined decision that this would be the last time that he would be incarcerated. Might be a long time, but it was going to be the last time. And he gave his life to Christ at that moment. And he miraculously only got a five-year sentence. And he spent those years pursuing a relationship with Christ. And he was mentored by, get this, the judge who convicted him and the FBI agent who arrested him. (laughs) Amazing story. And during that time, he developed the idea of a ministry to prisoners called Hope for Prisoners. And that program provides assistance through life skills and job readiness training, substance abuse treatment, vocational and educational opportunities, intensive case management, and long-term mentoring. Hope for Prisoners begins working with incarcerated, um, the incarcerated and continues after they get out for up to 18 months after their release. And the proof is in the pudding. The fact that those who go through this program have only a 6% recidivism rate. You know what recidivism is? It means going back in. Only 6%. Now, why is that significant? Because the national average is 43%. What makes the difference? The difference is the personal connection between the mentors and the clients. The amazing thing about this ministry is his volunteer staff consists of both ex-offenders and the law enforcement community of all races, and they work together in harmony. So how can you and I affect justice in our world? Well, we have to remember what we saw in Proverbs twenty nine twenty six. Many seek the face of a ruler, but it is from the Lord that a man gets justice. The only source of true justice is the Lord himself. And without the wisdom that he gives us, our efforts in justice will fall short. He's the one who came first to help the helpless. And that includes you and me. We were helpless to overcome the injustice in our own hearts due to the sin and rebellion that lives there. And Jesus paid the penalty for that sin by dying on the cross for us. And now, because we've been rescued, we can rescue others. You know, if you give to Faith Bible Church, you're already helping to bring justice We support several ministries that work for justice, like Samaritan's Purse, 
Pathfinders, Awaken, and the Crisis Pregnancy Center. All those work towards justice in the name of Christ. But we can't stop with that. We must be alert to the opportunities that God might bring to us. So let's pray together as a church and as individuals that God would open doors of greater ministry and that we would be ready when he opens those doors so that justice might be done. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, that you are in the business of restoring all things to the way that they ought to be. And Lord, that you do that by bringing justice. Lord, help us open our eyes. Give us a wisdom and a heart to bring your justice into the world, Lord. That we might reflect your glory and that we might see your kingdom advance. So we give you all the praise and all the honor and all the glory in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the preaching of God's Word from Faith Bible Church in Reno, Nevada. We hope that it has been an encouragement to you and that the Word of God will fill your hearts and minds as you walk through this world. If you have been blessed by this ministry and would like to make a small donation to help defray the cost of this podcast, just click on the green Support Us button at the top of the webpage. Thank you.